Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. We'd like to welcome today for the very first time on our show, Brian Shannon. Brian is a stock market trader for the past 25 plus years using trend following through technical analysis, which is charting. He's the author of Technical Analysis Using Multiple Time Frames. He speaks to us from their headquarters in Denver, Colorado. Brian, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Well, thanks for having me on here today, Charlie. Okay, so Brian, give us a 30-second uh, background of yours, will you? 30 seconds. Well, I'm 50 years old, so I started in the investment business straight out of college as a retail stockbroker and then realized uh, that wasn't my passion as much as trading was. So I had a number of uh, different uh, kind of career paths, I guess. I mean, I, I traded a small hedge fund. I worked for a proprietary trading firm. And then I uh, started my own company, Alpha Trends, um, about 11 years ago. And uh, that brings us to, to today, where I'm still an active trader, not a day trader. Uh, that's uh, kind of um, not my forte anymore. But more, I, my, my time frame that I like to specialize in is called swing trading. So a couple of days to maybe a couple of weeks. Okay, very good. And uh, do you send out, what's your business model? Do you send out newsletters? Do you send out trading recommendations? Um, do you do training for a fee? What's your well, business model? Kind of a, a combination, a little bit of all of that. I do have a couple of technical analysis courses uh, that, that I have on my site. But the, the bulk of what I do for subscribers is each day, I have uh, it's it's video format. So what I do is I can explain very thoroughly the stock setups that we're looking at. So a setup meaning you know we're looking to buy at uh, you know X Y Z at forty dollars and fifty cents. Here's why. And so it's 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 giving people reason you know the, the, a solid plan of why we're engaging the market for the time frame we're on. And and I would say the goals of Alpha Trends are one to bring ideas to people to help them make money. Number two, help them avoid losing money by, you know, but kind of being a coach to them and, and giving them feedback on trade ideas that they might have. Uh, number three is to provide education. And the video format really allows me to do that, to, to teach as we talk about new ideas each day. And the fourth goal is to create a positive environment for traders. So, uh, you know, it can be lonely out there and people have a place to kind of bounce ideas around and, and that sort of thing. Okay. So, Brian, uh, I've got your book in front of me and uh, been through it, uh, much of it a couple of times. And uh, excellent. Lots of great information, etc. So let me uh, start reading and uh, you tell us what you meant by what I'm reading. Okay. The only time professionals place their money at risk is when they have a perceived edge. And if none exists, cash is always the best position. Well, I I can appreciate that. But uh, somebody who's a trader in their own backyard, you know, in Cincinnati or Mobile, Alabama or whatever, how can they create a perceived edge? 
based around just having a simple risk reward before you look at uh, committing to a trade. So I like to say that you know our job is that of a, a, an analyst and a trader. You have to be good at doing both of them. And what we want to do is anticipate all the potential scenarios before we actually participate and put our money to risk. By that, I mean, you know, if we're looking to buy it at $40.50, we're going to say, you know, it looks like maybe it can run to $45, $44 in the next week or so. But if we're wrong and the market disagrees with our opinion, because the market doesn't care about our opinion, where do we get out to make sure that if we take a loss, it's a small loss. So maybe we'll have a stop loss at 38 and a half. And, and where do you come up with the 38 and a half, Brian? Great question. You know, a lot of people will say 6%, 7% or something like that. I think, though, that they're missing the bigger point of technical analysis, which is, you know, with most of the trades that I do are considered trend trades. Definition of a trend is higher highs and higher lows or lower highs and lower lows. So the way we want to set our stop is based on if it violates the most recent and relevant higher low for a long stock. So if the stock had been, let's say, and hopefully I can picture, you know, uh, explain what I'm talking about here, a stock that ran from maybe 38 to 43, it pulls back, and it, it makes a low of uh, 38.70, rallies up to 40.5, pulls back to 39 and then rallies up to that 40 and a half. So we want to buy it as it breaks above that 40 and a half. And our job then is to say, is there sufficient, what perceived sufficient, sufficient upside to justify taking the amount of risk that we are uh, taking here? Because it comes down to, uh, as with risk reward and trading, that, you know, you can be wrong 50% of the time and still make money. It's, it's our goal to be right as many times as we you know, possibly can. But when we make, make mistakes, we want them to be smaller than our, uh, than our winners, uh, smaller, than our, uh, uh, smaller in relation to the winners that we have. Right. That way, if we lose 50 cents, let's say, three times, but we make $1.50 once, we're still 50 cents ahead. So it allows for us to, you know, be objective and, and allow for, you know, room for error. Okay. Now, the, the next question, which builds upon the, the last one, is you talk about support and resistance. So the questions are, where has the stock come from? Where is there's potential support? And where does the stock have the potential to go? But as you state here in your a title of your book using multiple time frames. Uh, are we looking at the time frame of the last year, of the last two years, of the last uh, you know day and a half? Uh, what time frame do we look at for that support and resistance? Because, like you say, you're talking about going beyond the lower low. Well, what lower low are we looking at here? Well, it, it's it's time frame dependent upon what you identify yourself as is a participant market a market so for instance as a swing trader it's generally you know i want to get my idea by looking at the bigger picture and saying okay this is a, a stock in, a, in an uptrend and you know maybe i'll look at a little bit of fundamentals and say their revenues and our earnings are growing so that's good maybe it can sustain itself on a fundamental basis but to the price-based approach and if for a swing trade for instance i generally start with about a year of data on a daily time frame 
And that's where I just kind of look at the bigger picture to say, okay, here's an idea maybe worth pursuing. And then I'll look down to generally a 30-minute time frame. So uh, by that, I mean each candle or bar that you're looking at represents 30 minutes of data. And I'll look at that over the last two and a half to three weeks will generally give me a good idea of what the intermediate-term levels of potential support and resistance are. And then to get my actual timing into the trade, I might go down to as low as a 5- or 10-minute chart just to kind of fine-tune it. And in that case, I would look at maybe about 10 days' worth of data. So the other thing is if you're an investor, you might want to start with a weekly chart as your long-term, a daily chart as your intermediate term. And so when I say weekly, I, I say going back, you know, maybe three to five years, a daily that goes back maybe a year to a year and a half. And then your short term, you know, the short term for an investor might be found on that 30-minute time frame. Very interesting, Brian. That's not the kind of thing I typically see. When I uh, watch videos uh, on YouTube and the like, and heaven knows there are plenty of them there, uh, looking at technical analysis, education, talk, etc., uh, every single time, I, I, as I recall, they use a daily chart. And uh, they don't talk about the, the weekly or, or uh, you know, the 30-minute the, the over the past 10 days or something. Well, you know, I think you have to remember that, you know, the definition of, of an uptrend, again, is higher highs and higher lows. Well, you know, a day trader might find an uptrend in a market that's been down 50% in the last year. Um, so it's, it's time frame defend, dependent, and you have to understand, you know, who's talking on those YouTube channels. What is their time frame? I try to make it clear to people so that they understand you know, because I do have YouTube uh, each Friday. I was going to say you should be watching my video just to, to see that. I will. Uh, I will. Uh, my name on uh, YouTube is Thermal One, T H E R M A L Numeral okay. One. Um, but but it's, it it comes down to you know knowing your audience one and, and identifying here's the time frame I'm looking at, and then for the audience to not get that time frame confusion where they want to be bullish on a stock. Uh, but they're justifying a short-term trade by looking at a much longer-term time frame and maybe allowing their losers to get too big or to just kind of bury their heads in the sand is something that, you know, is, is a common route to disaster for newer people who are, are trying to engage in active trading. Yeah, you know, that's... Uh... That, that, that's excellent advice. We appreciate it. Elsewhere, you say in the book that you like to trade stocks that are priced at 5 to $40, so that the price of the stock itself is 5 to 40 So that's taken you out of the fangs, okay, in the past couple of years. Why do you like that, and, and do you feel like you, you, you're missing out on things with these high-priced tech stocks that have, you know, so outperformed the market? Yeah, great. I mean, so I, I wrote the book uh, in 2008, and at that time, you know, that really was my sweet spot. I've, I've, I've kind of expanded out a little bit, and actually, I, you know, I, I've shifted the bottom range to probably about $10 per share, and I, I will trade the, the more expensive stocks as well. I think that, you know, Charlie, that, you know, the, the markets themselves, the, the structure and the way that they trade, 
hasn't really changed as much as people think they have. But but for me personally, one, you know, as, as I get older, uh, my attention span is, is less, and I don't want to sit there and day trade and, and, and look at these kooky little stocks that are going up and down all day. Um, so I, so I slow, I've slowed things down as far as not being a day trader and expanding out to, you know, bigger stocks. So one of my main criteria is it has to trade at least a half a million shares a day, and that's using a 20-day average. I, I'm not a big trader of probably 150 and above, um, but, I, you know, I do trade the ETFs more actively probably than the FANGs. So um, I, I don't feel like I've missed out because there's there's opportunity everywhere, and I'm not looking just for – I'm looking for, you know, volatility. And stocks where they – seem to have uh, you know logic to the intermediate term patterns sometimes those larger stocks um, you've got to give them more room than I'm comfortable in terms of stop loss because they can get pretty volatile uh, on the intradays yeah so tell us how do you deal with the earnings reports generally speaking I do not hold the stocks that are about to uh, report earnings. The only exceptions I really make are if I really have a good feeling about the company and you know I, I, I know the stock, then maybe I'll buy some options if they are you know cheap enough. Uh, and that's you know that's pretty subjective because they're they're all you know the, the options before earnings are always quite expensive. Um, you know it's like wait, options volatility is like. Um, you know, the Denver Nuggets might be playing in town, uh, what do they play, 60 times per year, let's say, um, and you can get a ticket on StubHub or whatever for 20 bucks, you know, to any game pretty much. But if they make the playoffs, you know, there's more, there's more interest in it. Well, the same thing is true with a stock that, you know, a, a playoff ticket is, is the equivalent of options near earnings. You might not get into the stadium for less than $150 because there's that excess demand with all this interest surrounding, you know, how well the team is doing in that. Options in front of earnings have a higher demand uh, because there's more uncertainty about what what the stock will do and there's a, you know, catalyst coming. So the premium becomes higher. It's like, you know, buying, uh, again, it's like playing uh, playoff tickets. Yeah. So, so 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 tell us Brian, uh, do you trade options? I didn't see much in the book about options. Um, of course, you know, the, the, these are all about um, movement of the stock and the options are going to move pretty much with the stock. Uh, so do you trade options? Are, are these just as valid with options or uh, do you have another book coming out on options or anything? Talk to us about it. I don't have another book on options coming out. I don't consider myself an options expert. Um, and I, I think that, that, you know, my strengths are understanding market structure and the way that stocks move and the reason, you know, the psychology behind it. So with that, I do the analysis of the stocks. And occasionally I do trade options. It's not my main way of getting involved in the market. And it's, it's you know, for me, it's a speculative endeavor, but it's a way to manage risk. So if I see a stock that looks like I think it's going to do well, but I don't know anything about it, or I think it's in a riskier sector, or 
one of their competitors is reporting earnings or they're going to report earnings or, you know, the Fed is going to, you know, come out or, you know, some macro catalyst that might affect it, then I might, you know, just look at the options and buy some calls to reduce, to, to, to know exactly, well, if I lose, I know exactly what I'm going to lose. So to me, it's a way of mitigating risk in a speculative position. Okay. So elsewhere in the book here, um, um, Brian, and I, I could ask you a thousand questions here. You talk about the four stages of stock movement, and they're basically expansion, peak, decline, and recovery, as we hear about uh, for the economy as well. So I've heard said many times how difficult it is to catch bottoms. And uh, the very first phase is accumulation, where it follows a period of decline, but there's no real tradable edge because typically they're consolidating and it's kind of a neutral period and the stock doesn't really tr start to move until it gets to the peak or the markup stage. So uh, how does someone find uh, the, 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 uh, the, the tradable edge uh, in looking for that, that V-shape um, improvement here? Well, I'm not, actually, I'm not looking for a V-shape. There's, there's a great, uh, first of all, I, and I didn't come up with those four stages. They were really popularized by Stan Weinstein, and he's where, uh, his work is where I really, it, it made sense to me reading about it from his work. And I expanded upon that and put my own thoughts into it. But basically, what, you know, there's a great phrase that says, if they don't scare you out on the way down, you know, after a long decline. So we could even think of Bitcoin right now. It's, it's in this long decline right now, and people keep thinking it's making a bottom. But if they don't scare you out on the way down, they'll typically wear you out. And the way, you know, it's the way I think I explained it in there as well is if you drop a ball off the 15th floor, it might bounce first to the 12th floor, uh, and then it bounces again. It loses momentum. It bounces to the 7th floor the third floor, and then it just kind of dribbles out and does nothing for a while till someone becomes interested and picks it up and throws it in the air again. And that's the way it is in the market, that you have these institutions that are you're selling on the way down, and they can't sell it all at once, so they have to piecemeal it out over, you know, maybe even six months. And then, you know, it's, it's viewed as damaged goods. But what we can do is we can look at uh, even a 200-day moving average for you know for a stock that's been in a longer-term decline, we want to see that 200-day moving average flatten out. So it's going to take quite a while to do that to replace the old holders who feel like they've been burned uh, with with newer holders that maybe see a value in there. So they start accumulating their their institutional position, which might be millions of shares. So they'll you know the stock comes down from 50 to you know 10 to 15 range and anytime it gets down into the 10 and 11 range they're sticking bids in eventually the sellers say hey there's buyers in that 10 and 11 area i'm going to stop selling in that area so they re you know the supply is reduced in there because there's strong enough to demand to hold it up at least doesn't mean it's going to you know break out and go higher but once those powers have kind of balanced out then we have a, a better ability to say, okay, now it's breaking out. It's above a rising 10, 20, 30, 40-week moving average, which would be you know, five days in a week. That would be a 50-day, a 100-day, 150, and 200-day. So once it's breaking out on volume above that, 
it appears to be the beginning of a new uptrend, then we can start to get involved. And of course, appears to be a new uptrend, meaning we have to have a stop and say, well, what if it breaks back down? What if a big seller comes in or their product launch that people were anticipating got delayed because their factory in China burned down? Or, you know, We never know what's going to happen. So you know, risk management will always be job number one. And to, you know, to protect our positions is, is what we're looking to do so we don't have that outsized loss that, you know, can put us off guard uh, emotionally and, you know, cause trading where we're, you know, fighting to get back and, you know, making emotional decisions. Right. Okay, and final question from the book here, Brian. Uh, you say n- very near the end, okay, markets tend to thrust and then consolidate. The most likely scenario for the market each day is that it will consolidate within a range. So tell us about that. Everybody's always looking for, you know, the, 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 the uptrend or the downtrend. And what you're saying is that typically it's in a consolidation phase. Right, because the markets tend to, as, as, I, as, as you pointed out, to thrust. They, they will have a nice run of, you know, three, five, eight days. And then they're either going to, you know, then the stock will get a little bit ahead of itself. So it's had a 10 to 15% run, let's say. And, and that, by the way, is what we're looking to get involved in as swing traders. After that multi-day run that might, you know, see a 10 to 15% move, well, we start to see that people, uh, you know, the buyers start easing off the gas pedal a little bit. And then you've probably got some hedge funds that are looking at going, you know, this thing's up too much. It should pull back you know, half of that, so let's start shorting it. And then, you know, the, the, the supply and demand, it kind of hits a wall where that equilibrium is reached, and then sellers start to say, wait a minute, it's not going up anymore. They're, you know, they start to get a little bit more aggressive, and then the shorts get a little bit more aggressive, and then it pulls back halfway. Maybe it's at a key moving average. And then the cycle kind of repeats in in, in the opposite, that, if the longer-term trend is still higher, what you're going to see is the sellers will start to ease off and say, you know, it's, it's pulled back now 8% in three, four days. Longer term, it's still in an uptrend. I'm going to take my profits off this short. And then you'll see sideline money from people who said, well, I missed that last great rally. And here it is at this 10-day moving average. I'm going to start to stick some bids in there. So it starts to accumulate on a shorter-term time frame. So that cyclical analysis has the, the, the fractal uh, effect, which means that the, the patterns repeat on, on, you know, on various time frames. You'll, you'll see pattern, the pattern within the pattern, basically. So it's all about understanding the supply and demand and knowing then what are the key levels where those, uh, where where the supply and demand are going to start to, you know, establish that uh, su- support or resistance, so they become levels of interest, and when we find that level of interest, we observe it on a shorter term time frame. So then we wait for the buyers to regain control on the shorter term time frame, get involved, set our stop, and see if it's going to do it again. Ryan, you make it sound so easy. 
<laughs> I wish it was that easy. That's, that's, <laughs> trust so, me, there's, that, it's, it's easier to talk about than to do. Yeah, no question about it. So, so what misperceptions do you see, Brian, uh, by investors and investment advisors on, uh, on, on trading through technical analysis like you're talking about? What do they not understand? Well, I think that one of the main things is that they expect um, certainty, and and they and they'll say, well, you know, I bought it at support, but but it but it still went down. So, or I bought it at the 50-day moving average, and I was told that support, but I still lost money. So, technical analysis doesn't work. Um, you know, it, it's no different than let's say. Um, I was to look at stocks and say, I want to buy stocks with a 14 PE. Well, maybe the 14 PE is way overvalued because the company's losing money and about to go out of business. Right. There's more factors to it. It's not, it's not black and white. What you have to look at and understand is what I just described a few moments ago is you have to understand the supply and demand that's occurring at those levels of perceived you know, I call them levels of interest. I never say it's at support. It's at a level that's, you know, maybe going to provide support here. So we want to start looking at it more carefully and waiting for actual evidence that buyers are gaining control. So I don't like to buy pullbacks. To me, buying a pullback, pullback is, is acting on blind faith. Instead, I want to buy after a pullback has settled down, and I can see on the shorter-term time frames that the supply and demand imbalance is coming back into a favorable position to start to consider that long position. So, uh, Brian, who, what types of clients do you have who take your services? Are they individual investors? Are they investment advisors? Are they institutions uh, looking to uh, trade more effectively? Are they family offices? Who are your clients, as far as you can tell, anyway? Well, yeah, and some people don't like to tell me who they are, which... I imagine it's George Soros. Uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, I've got a lot of uh, retail people who are trading their own accounts, either full or, or you know, pretty, uh, pretty full-time. Um, and, and there's a danger in trying to trade full-time if you have another job that, you know, one's going to interfere with the other all the time and one area is going to, uh, you know, have, suffer as a result. But a lot of people are, you know, professional traders who work at family offices, at hedge funds, and just, you know, high net worth individuals and, and some some beginners as well. I mean, I've got some people that are brand new, and um, you know, th- those people um, can be my favorites sometimes because they're moldable, and you can you know get to them before they create bad habits. Right. Um, whereas. Some other people think, well, I already know everything. Just, uh, uh, but but in the other, the dangerous part is 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 with newer people is they want to be told what to do, yeah. and I always say, listen, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm your coach. I can point it out. I can give you the reasons why we're buying here, where our stop is, what the justification for the trade is. But I don't know anything about your finances. I'm not a registered guy. I'm not providing advice. So it's it's a you know pretty diverse group of people really who are uh, subscribing to Alpha Trends. So a question we'd like to ask all of our guests, Brian: What keeps you awake at night? Well, you know, if uh, if you ask my wife, she'd say nothing. 
Um, <laughs> she has. That's she the way to be. Sleep, she has sleep difficulties, and it's you know she she laments that I say, okay, I'm I'm uh, I'm tired. I'm going to sleep now. And five minutes later, she'll look at me, and I'm asleep. Uh, but I you know I, I think that if if I'm laying awake at night you know, thinking about the markets or something, then I probably don't have a, a, a good handle on my risk. I have too much risk on would be what would keep me up. As, as someone told me once, you know, uh, if, if I, I, you know, this person said, hey, I sleep like a baby. I'm up all night, uh, you know, <laughs> thinking about my stock. Right. Then you know, up every 10 minutes, whatever. Uh, then you have too much risk on. So, I, you know, people have said, you know, you know, put your position down, size down to the level you can sleep at. And I, and I think that makes a lot of sense that if you're not taking too much risk, then you've really got nothing to worry about. I mean, there, there, there's always something to worry about, but and, and this bull market has taught us that. It's, it's climbed that wall of worry over and over and over again, ignoring every negative, uh, you know, comment, headline, news, uh, you know, countries blowing up and just crazy stuff. So um, I try to just stay focused on price and keep my position size reasonable and uh, just to try to stay balanced. Uh, and sleep is a, 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 a huge part of being able to, to, to successfully trade. I yeah. Yeah, that you've got to have a clear mind and be well rested. No question about it. So tell us uh, quickly how people can get a hold of your book. Give them the title again um, and how to find it. Yeah, it's uh, technical analysis using multiple time frames, and it is available on Amazon. And if they are overseas, they can send me a uh, send an email to support at Alpha Trends and. Uh, we can arrange to have it shipped uh, pretty much anywhere. Okay, and give us, uh, for those who would like to know more, your website, will you? Yeah, alphatrends.net. Although I would also say that, you know, where you're going to see the most information from me, from a, uh, you know, for, for if you're just trying to, you know, maybe follow along, uh, you know, on the sides a little bit, it would be on Twitter. And my handle there is alphatrends, A-L-P-H-A-T-R-E-N-D-S. Okay. Well, Brian, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, final words for our listeners. Final words. Uh, just manage risk. Risk management is always job number one. And one of the biggest mistakes I see people making over and over again is chasing stocks after they've moved. Really do ask those two questions that you pulled out of the book, which are, where has it come from? Where does it have the potential to go? If it's up 10% in the last week, you're probably chasing it. You got it. And, you know, we all have to learn that lesson, right? <laughs> because that's probably the first thing people do right right away in, in moving in that area. So, Brian, again, thank you very much for, for being uh, with us here. Best of luck to you and Alpha Trends and, uh, and all of your clients and what you are looking to do. And let's stay positive about uh, the world of economics and Washington, D.C., the administration, China, uh, and all of the issues we are dealing with. And again, we hope to be able to continue to climb that wall of worry. So again, thank you, Brian, very much for, for being with us here today. Best to you too, Charlie, and thanks for having me on. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, again, we've been talking with Brian Shannon of um, Alpha Trends a stock market trader for the past 25-plus years using trend following through technical analysis and author of the book, Technical Analysis Using Multiple 
time frames. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. Please contact us at info at strateginvestorradio.com. Go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strateginvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host, Charlie Wright, or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing.